0: Oh God, you are here, and we are here. Lord, may we be here together. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, oh God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. may be seated. It's good to see everyone. Welcome. I see some new faces trickling in every week. It's great. Um, And it's also nice to have you with us on YouTube if you've not yet made it back um, to St. Michael's. Welcome. So question, who here is familiar with a a singer, a pop country singer named Shania Shania Twain, excuse me? Y'all have heard of Shania Twain? Well, for those of you who don't, Shania Twain is probably, uh, well, she's actually recorded the best-selling country album of all time. She's the best-selling record of a female of any genre in history. She was married to a guy named Mutt Lang, who was a great record producer. Um, He's produced uh, ACDC, Back in Black, and a bunch of great, great rock and roll records as well. And in a three-year span, her record sales were about 80 million. So you could say that in some ways she's as big as the Beatles, Elvis, and even Michael Jackson. And she was at one time on the top of the world. Absolute top of the world. And the unimaginable thing happened. She discovered that her best friend had been having an affair with her husband, and she found out about it the day after he asked her for a divorce. Well, as you can well imagine, her world crumbled. And she was so grief stricken and shocked that she literally lost her voice and her ability to sing. She was diagnosed with what's called dysphonia, which is when the voice box is squeezed by the surrounding muscles, which, cause, which can be caused by fear and stress and trauma. And she claims that she's never forgiven. Or husband. And I say, who can blame her? Perhaps you've been there where someone's wounded you, betrayed you, hurt you in such a way that, that you just don't know if it's even possible to forgive them because certainly they don't deserve to be forgiven. I know that pain firsthand. I've been there. But yet forgiveness is something you know that each and every one of us in some way shape or form will have to deal with in life. Because there's going to be injuries and there have been injuries done to us. I mean to our hearts, to our sense of self-worth, injuries that have been real, some injuries that have been vicious, some that are intentional, some that are not so intentional. And yet the real question is when we've been wounded, when we've been hurt by another, is forgiveness even possible? Because I will tell you, when I've been hurt, and I'm not talking, you know, let's kiss and make up kind of hurt. I'm talking about the kind of hurt that, 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 that you carry in your soul, that just doesn't, the pain doesn't just vanquish overnight, right? That kind of hurt. Do I even want that person to be forgiven? Do I even want to release that person? You know, usually, I'll just be honest. I like that person to feel the pain that I'm feeling. You know, to be able to experience that kind of pain. It's just the way it is. So this forgiveness idea, all our readings are about forgiveness today, isn't just a piece of cake by any means. Yet, forgiveness is a process That we can't ignore because the reality is if we want to be set free if I want to be free to live free to have joy free to have love free to become the person that I want to become or the person God created me to be forgiveness is absolutely essential it's just not always easy now, we've all heard this gospel lesson this morning. Peter goes to Jesus and says, Hey, if another member of the church sins against me, how, how often should I forgive him? As many as seven times, which is a lot. All right? In other words, he's asking, is there a limit to forgiveness? And Jesus says, yeah, about seven times is good. Then you can hate him forever. You never have to talk to him again. No, it's not what he said. Jesus says, not seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven. Jesus is taking this and deliberately pushing forgiveness to the extreme. Because forgiveness is not something that we can quantify. It's not something that's deserving by any means, right? It's a practice with which we enter each and every moment. It's a disposition, if you will, of our heart. Yet, it's also the process that heals one's life and it also heals a community. But keep in mind, forgiveness is not a feeling. on, it's not a feeling. And it doesn't mean that you deny, excuse, justify, approve, or minimize someone's hurt or someone's actions. It's not passively accepting abuse. That's not forgiveness. That's not what it is. Forgiveness doesn't even mean forgetting the the hurt that the other person's responsible for. And it certainly, in no way, shape, or form, means to discount pain. It doesn't make injustice okay. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness means to send away, to release, to let go. Ultimately, it, remi- it, means, it means to refuse to punish, to refuse to retaliate. And therefore, it ends this idea of revenge. So now Jesus tells this story. He says, there was a servant who owned this astronomical debt. 10,000 talents. Now, we have no clue what a talent is. Well, in that culture they did. A talent was about 15 years. 15 years of income. So whatever your income is, multiply that by 15. That's a talent. Jesus said... That this servant owed the king 10,000 talents, which is 150,000 years of income. Okay, he's being intentional here. And the master wanted his money back. <laughs> and, and, and the guy couldn't pay him, so he demanded everything. He demanded, he, he demanded his wife his kids, his minivan, his new Lexus, his record collection, his baseball collection. He wanted everything. He wanted his mountain home, he wanted his beach condo, and he wanted everything. But this guy was bankrupt before the king. And so the servant falls to his knees and and pleads for mercy. Now here's the crazy thing. Here's the real crazy thing. The king forgives the debt completely. That's a crazy story isn't it? Forgiveness seems to be radical and the servant is set free. Jesus's point is this that forgiveness is indeed radical. It's extravagant, it's indiscriminate, it's costly. If you think about it, it costs this king 150,000 years of income. Just like that. You're forgiven. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? See, in Jesus, though, we see clearly how God chooses to relate to us. Especially when we offend um the very heart of God, the divine heart of God, we see in Jesus how God reacts to us. When we violate the communion of love that God intended for us in creation, Jesus shows us how God reacts to us. And how is that? By indiscriminate, undeserved, mercy grace and love forgiveness he lets us go and the entire message of Jesus's life death and resurrection would be lost without it see there is no such thing as cheap forgiveness for sin that is refusing to be who we were created to be Um, Uh, missing the mark of what we were created to be. There's no cheap cost when it comes to forgiveness. Forgiveness is very, very costly. 150,000 years forgiven. It's not cheap when Jesus Christ suffered violence on the cross in no way, shape, or form offered retaliation, but instead love and forgiveness. And we call him God. So that, are you ready for this? So that we could be reconciled to God and restored to who we were created to be. All gift, all grace, all love, all mercy, forgiveness. See, the truth is, and you know this as well as I do, that sin wounds. Sin, when someone sins against us, it breaks us. It hurts us. And it lingers. And to forgive is really costly. But here's the deal. We must recognize that in the eyes of God that we have been totally forgiven. Thought, word, deed, past, present, future, things done and things left undone, forgiven. Grace really is amazing. So the first order of any forgiveness is not to forgive others. I think the first order of forgiveness is to recognize and accept God's forgiveness of me. To receive the forgiveness that God offers us in those outstretched arms on the cross to be received. You know the servant Apparently missed that point. Because soon after he was forgiven of this insurmountable debt, he is found choking a fellow servant, right, of a very small debt. So that the people tell the king about it and the king puts the servant away in torture <laughs> until he can pay his debt. I think that's what unforgiveness and hate and anger and retaliation and revenge does. It's torture. See, the truth is, is there's no Christianity without forgiveness. Christianity, forgiveness is at the heart of Christianity. It's not karma, right? Karma says you get what you deserve. It's going to come back to you and you're going to get it. Christianity says you've been forgiven, you've been released, you've been reconciled. It's all gift from God. Receive it. And so there is no Christianity without forgiveness. Our faith is permanently marked by the invitation to receive His forgiveness and the imperative to offer forgiveness. And that's where I have the rub. When I have to offer forgiveness, okay, if I loan you my ink pen and you walk down the hall with my ink pen, I got to tell you, I forgive you. Stab me in the back, wound me at my core, that's different. But here's the deal, the Christ-like love that absorbs the blow and responds with forgiveness is the only real hope that this world has for change. Revenge and hatred, no matter how justifiable, simply fuels the endless cycle of revenge. And it only guarantees that hate wins. And that's what makes this world the way it is and continues to keep it like it is. They say that unforgiveness, I'm sure you've heard this before, is like drinking rat poisoning yourself and waiting for the rat to die. And isn't that the truth, right? Because of the bitterness and the resentment and the hurt. As followers of Jesus, we're called to believe in the radical, radical proposition that although hatred and hurt may be very powerful. It's love, ultimately, that never fails. And love, as Paul says, is the greatest thing of all. You know, Henry and Alan said that forgiveness is the name of love practiced for those who love poorly. <laughs> forgiveness is the name of love practiced by those who love And isn't that the truth? I mean, grace is the alternative um, to retaliation that perpetuates pain and leaves the whole world blind. I was reading a story this week. And in the story, the guy says that he was with a group of people and the instructor told them, the teacher told them to bring a bag of potatoes and a plastic bag with them, the class. And so when they got to class, he asked them to take out a potato out of their bag. And he says, I want you to write the name of the person. That you can't forgive on that potato. Now, there might be dad, mom, my brother, a coach, a spouse, an worker, coworker, someone. And I just can't forgive them. Write their name on that potato. He said, and of course, you might have a few potatoes with names on it. And then he says, what I want you to do is take those potatoes and put them in this plastic bag. Some people had a lot of potatoes in their bag. And he says, what I want you to do is carry this bag with you everywhere you go for a week. Take it to work with you, sleep with it, put it on the desk at the office, when you go to the gym and you're on the treadmill or the ecliptic, take it with you. When you're in the shower, take it with you. When you go to dinner, take it with you. Carry this bag of potatoes with you wherever you go. And the hassle of lugging this around made it clear to these people that the weight that they were carrying, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally as well. Well, you know what happens when you carry a bag of potatoes. Well, first of all, it's present with us as a constant reminder of those names, those people who have offended us. That's not all. What happens is naturally over time, the potatoes start to deteriorate and they get all nasty slime, they stink, and they rot. And you know, as I read this story, I thought, what a great metaphor for the price we pay for keeping our pain and heavy negativity. I mean, too often we think that forgiveness is a gift that we give to the other person. And while that's true on some levels, it's clearly a gift. we give ourselves isn't it so I ask you do you have any potatoes and if you do whose names are on your potatoes how heavy is your sack I don't know if I can release people that have hurt me from my heart or I can't get over the pain necessarily but one of the things I know I can do through the grace and mercy of God is I can go to Jesus and I can say, Lord, I don't want to carry these potatoes anymore. They're heavy. They stink. They weigh me down. I so say, Lord, I want to offer you these potatoes. I want you to take these people and I lay them down and I ask that you, help me do what I can't do for myself. To help set me free, to help set them free. I'll close with Henry now and he says, to forgive another person from the heart is an act of liberation. We set that person free from the negative bonds that exist between us. We say, I no longer hold your offense against me, but there is more. We also free ourselves from the burden Of being the offended one as long as we do not forgive those who have wounded us we carry with us just like that sack of potatoes or worse we pull them as a heavy load the great temptation is to cling in anger to our enemies and to find ourselves as being the offended ones the wounded ones forgiveness he says liberates not only the other, but also ourselves. It is the way to freedom as children of God. Amen. Amen.